We are in Genesis chapter 40. We are beginning at verse 1. We'll cover the whole chapter. Didn't seem like too many people got up on Facebook to see the post I put up there, but you have probably been in a situation waiting for a promise of God to be manifested. Might be healing, might be financial, might be employment, or as it was with Joseph, pertaining to a calling or a higher position and purpose than what he had at the time. But when we continually wait and time just keeps on passing us by, it can be difficult to keep your faith up. It can be difficult to keep up your hope, your joy. At times you may feel like you are putting on a false face for others so that they see you as you know you think you should be in these areas. But in this state, we are so susceptible to going after something that it seems Joseph did here in Genesis chapter 40. So tonight we're going to see what that was, how it can be harmful, and how do we guard against it. Just to review, because this is a theme we will see throughout the book, the uh, chapters here that are on Joseph, the four levels of understanding. There's the two lower levels, that is the flesh. I know what Scripture says, I know what it states. There's the mind, soul, or the reasoning level. And that is, I see the concept Scripture is teaching. But we're not having any spiritual understanding on those levels. Then you can almost draw a line there and look at the upper levels. Wisdom, the Holy Spirit shows me how to live what I understand. And revelation, the Holy Spirit opens up my eyes to see more than I can see in my own. Now all people look to understand what Joseph's dream said. Even today many look at it to try and determine what it means and they come up with a lower level understanding of what Joseph's dream meant. They are no better than the father. They're no better than the brothers. And their level of understanding was was very flesh-like. But Joseph knew he had to pursue what the meaning was. Last week we saw that evil... Evil men and the enemy of our faith are behind things that are forced. God doesn't force people, but the enemy does and the evil nature of mankind does. There were four steps on this. First, they will try and get you to yield on your own. That's the first level, because if you yield on your own, they don't expose themselves. Second, they try and go through strong coercion. If that should fail, they go with threats. If the threats fail... They go with complete force to force people to do what they want. But every time they step up on these levels, every time they they exert more force, they're exposing their motives and they're ex- risk exposing their purpose. Because most times people are camouflaging their actual purpose. Much like they did with Daniel. They didn't want to say what their real purpose was, so they camouflaged it, they called it something else. And there's many other places in the Word of God where this this uh, takes place. And it's nothing different today. True motives have to be camouflaged because people, once they see them, they won't go along with what's going on. So a lesser, the, the lesser amount of force that people can use, then the, uh, the less their motives and their evil intentions are exposed. Now, Joseph's brother forced him into the pit... And they forced, there, there was no coercion, 
There was no trying to get Joseph to yield. They just picked him up, threw him in there. And every bit of their evil motives and every bit of their plans and the things that they had, they were exposed. They couldn't hide any of it. So Joseph knew all that was there. So the more force that is used, the more will be exposed. Here in Genesis 40, let's begin reading here with verse 1. It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt defended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. We know the captain of the guard to be Potiphar from the chapters before. We find out that the uh, that the prison is in the house of the captain of the guard. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. He served them, so they were in custody for a while. So this was not something that was solved over a couple of days. They weren't just in there until Pharaoh wasn't angry anymore. Apparently they were in there, presumably because there's some investigation going on. It is possible they were suspected of some kind of conspiracy. And they wanted to investigate to find out what was going on since both of these guys are feeding the, uh, the Pharaoh, that they're involved with the food preparation. It may be that there was some kind of a poisoning attempt on the Pharaoh or at least one was suspected. So they put them in prison until they could find out what was going on and what had happened. And so they were in there for a while. And so Potiphar bypasses the guy that he has put over the prison now, Joseph, of course, is the prisoner who's in charge inside, but there is someone who's not a prisoner that Potiphar has put in charge of the of the prison. And he bypasses him, and he goes directly to Joseph, and he says, you take care of these guys. Uh, he probably doesn't want them to go anywhere, escape, or um, uh, whatever it might be. He might even be asking Joseph, see what you can get out of them. See if you can find out what was going on. Don't know if that was happening, but he puts them personally in his charge. So Joseph has the charge of these these two offenders. Now a butler is not what we think of as a butler. He was not only the cupbearer, but he over he was the overseer of the royal vineyards, as well as the cellars, having probably some hundreds of people under him. Because if you're going to take care of the vineyards, you got people that are out there taking care of that. If you're going to take care of the cellars, you got people out there taking care of that. He's in charge of all those people. And then, of course, he is the one who finally puts the cup in the Pharaoh's hand. The baker, or cook, had the um, overseeing of everything relating to the providing and preparing of the food or the meats for the royal table. So both officers, especially the baker or the cook, were always persons of high rank. They had to be ones that had come through, were able to be observed, were able to be seen, were able to be trusted. Because these are very trustworthy positions. So they were generally the highest nobles or princes of the blood. So Joseph was charged with caring for them. He does this personally. We see in the story that he comes up to them personally. He doesn't just dole this out. It was given to him as a personal job. Joseph, I need you to personally take care of these two. So he's in there personally taking care of these two. Some other parts that are in there, he may not be personally taken care of, but this one is one that he does. So they get to know Joseph. They don't just know him as the person who takes care of the prison. They know him. He comes in. He talks to them. He's getting to, to, to know them. He, Like I said, he might be trying to get some information out of them. 
trying to find out some some things maybe to help the investigation. But it was a practice in Egypt that those in charge in the prison would have those who could pay for preferential treatment. There was some preferential treatment to be had and so this position that Joseph is in is one that you can actually make some money on and these people obviously being high ranking officers they had some money they had access to some money Joseph we will pay you we'll have some people go to the bank get the money wherever it is bring it on over here to you but make sure that our needs are taken care of and so this would be a normal custom it didn't seem that Joseph did that verse 5 then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison had a dream both of them each man's dream in one night and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, now he just said the custody of his Lord's house. So there you see that uh, this seems to be a personal reference to Potiphar. Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, we each have had a dream and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God tell them to me please now both of these guys have a dream on the same night now we're doing some supposition on this we are supposing that there was a conspiracy but there was something that had gone on that offended Pharaoh or that caused him to be suspicious of of a, of a thing to bring him harm and these two seem to be at the uh, center of it. And so he's, he brought these two in. If there was a third person, if there was a fourth person, we don't know about it, they would have been brought into prison too. It's these two that seem to be be in play. So if you got two guys that are in there were doing some kind of investigation, and that seems to play out in the rest of the story because we have uh, one of them being restored and one not being restored. So it seems that whatever investigation they do, they figure out that one of them was guilty and one was not. So you've got two people in the prison. One's guilty, one is not. We, we suppose that their investigation was true and that it came out with the truth. Maybe their investigation was faulty. And there was no one at, at fault, but they decided to blame someone. Don't know about any of those things going on. But you got the two guys in prison. If you got two guys in prison, you're both in prison because something has gone on. We're investigating to find out. If you didn't do it, who do you think did it? I mean, pretty much you've got to narrow down. If it's just the two of us that may have done this, I know it had to be you because it wasn't me. I didn't do it. So it had to be you. So there instantly could be some distrust between the two, but either they got over that or maybe there wasn't a reason to be there. Maybe they're both guilty of it, and they're wondering if any of them might get off. So we don't know exactly about all that. But in the morning, they wake up, and they begin to talk to about each other about the dream. This dream was very disturbing to them. They were very bothered by this, this dream. But um, they begin to tell it to each other. Upon telling it to each other, they find out these dreams are extremely similar. If you wake up in the morning in prison and the guy you were put in prison with has a dream that is extremely similar to one that you have, how many would get, that would get you alarmed? That would get you, what's this mean? How is it that we both could have a dream on the same night? We both know that it means something 
And both dreams are extremely similar. There's a lot of the same aspects in this. So their sadness may be because of this. It may be because uh, something is up, but I don't know what it is. Joseph comes in, and it doesn't mean when he says he sees they were sad that these people were happy all the time. Remember, they're in jail. They're suspected of something, and investigations are going on. They're hoping to get get out of this, but if uh, they don't, they know that a possibility of this is that one of them or both of them would die. That could make an unsaved person sad just by that. But they were either sadder than normal or but something changed in their face. Somehow they were not looking quite the way they normally do. And so Joseph notices that because he is instructed to watch these guys. He, he knows what they look like each morning. He's trying to observe things about them. So they say we had a dream, but there's no one around to interpret it. Doesn't seem like they did any asking around, but maybe they just assume he were here in prison. There's no one here that interprets dream in prison. If we were outside the prison, the king has people who interpret dreams. And we could have gone to one of them, but we can't go to them because we're here in the prison. So it may be something along those lines. And so Joseph just says to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. You'll notice that Joseph is extremely quick to say, Come on, tell me the dream. God knows the interpretations of dreams, so tell me the dream. If you have never interpreted dreams for any other person in your life, would you be this quick to jump in? Now, we don't know that that Joseph has had any more dreams than the two dreams that he's had. And we don't know that anyone has ever brought a dream to Joseph. It's not in the scriptures about, about him. The reason for that may be is that if Joseph did that, if he became a person who could interpret dreams, there was no dream significant enough to make the Word of God. There were just dreams that came up and he interpreted them, but they had no purpose as far as Joseph's purpose was, uh, uh, the plan of God was for Joseph. It had no purpose as far as God was concerned, so they're just bypassed. And they're, they're not in Scripture. But it would seem that something probably happened along the course of Joseph's time here in that he is hearing dreams and interpreting dreams because he is very confident to say, come on, tell me the dream. God has the dreams. Very confident that God would tell him what the dream would mean and the, the quickness with which he interprets these dreams is, is rather remarkable. So it doesn't seem like he is a novice at this, at this point. But that's, uh, that's all something that we just have to assume. I think it's a pretty safe assumption. But anyway, both men have similar dreams on the same night. Now, it might be the two dreams that really gets Joseph's attention. Because he's he's been tied into this pattern of two. Because his own dreams was a pattern of two. Now, all of a sudden, we got this other pattern of two. If Joseph has interpreted other people's dreams before... They may not have been a pattern of two dream. It may have been a single dream and he just interpreted it. But now we have two dreams and Joseph might be thinking this might have something to do with helping me understand my dream. Because at this point, we don't know if Joseph understands his own dreams. If he has come to that place where he has the revelation of what those dreams mean or if he is still seeking them. It is possible that he is still seeking them. 
We'll have to wait till we get to heaven to ask him. And um, that is one of the ones, one of the questions I have on my list to ask Joseph when I see him. Find out when he got the the meaning of the of the dream. But for the two guys, probably have interest because they both had the similar dream. Joseph probably has the interest because this is two dreams for two guys on the same night. So the the fact that there's two dreams is probably what gets his attention. Now they feel comfortable enough around Joseph to tell him the dream. Are there people in your life that you know that you wouldn't tell them personal things like this? You would kind of keep that that stuff to yourself? So Joseph has done enough with these guys that they feel comfortable telling him the dream. Maybe they feel like they don't have anybody else to tell, but they sure do seem to warm up to the idea pretty quickly. Now, I wrote this in your outline, but though Joseph has had dreams, we have not been introduced to him as an interpreter of the dreams of others until now. This is the first time we are introduced as that. In verse 9, Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Now some aspects of this dream seem to be somewhat obvious, and other parts not so much. But Joseph has no trouble with this dream at all. And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. He doesn't go away and pray about it. He doesn't spend any time. As soon as he tells in a dream, this is the interpretation of it. That seems to be somebody who's pretty well versed in interpreting dreams. The three branches are three days. Now, would you have gotten that? If you just heard this guy say the dream, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. Would you just immediately jump to the part, Well, it's three days. I don't know what it is that that, uh, tips Joseph off that this is three days. Does it come up in his spirit? Is there something from dreams he's interpreted before that lets him know that this is what it means? We don't, we don't know. But Joseph is very sure, very quick, and points this, this out. The three branches are three days. Now, within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. So it's all about grapes. Well, this is the, the butler and he was in charge of the vineyard. He was in charge of the, the cellar, the wines that would be in the cellar. He was in charge of all these, these things. But the end result was he would put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And so we have the three branches. In the vine, uh, in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded, it blossomed, shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. And I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Now there we have the hand being emphasized. When you are in service to someone, especially in this area, your hands are the things that are being used. So the fact that his hands are involved tells Joseph this person is getting restored back into what they were doing. And he sees the branches as that's going to happen in three days. He's been there for a little while. 
And he says, in three days you're going to be restored and you're going to once again put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then he goes on in verse 12, and Joseph said to him, this is the interpret... I'm sorry, we got to go a little bit further down. Verse 14. But remember me when it is well with you and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house for indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. So he's done him a favor and he's asking for a favor in return. Alright, you're going to be restored. Now this dream, the, the butler knew this dream means something. He knew it was important. He just didn't know why. He was struggling to get the interpretation. Joseph does not struggle. Joseph gives it right to him. And then he says, now look, when you are restored, I know you're going to be restored. Joseph has great confidence that the interpretation he gave is the correct interpretation. When you are restored, not if you are restored, when you are restored, remember me. Show me, show kindness. I showed kindness to you. Please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. Get me out of this house. He does not see this house as being any kind of a bridge to what God has called him to. He doesn't see this house as being beneficial for him in any way. He sees this house as a hindrance for where God wants to take him. He knows some of the things that his future holds. Being in the prison, this is not part of it. I need to get out of the prison. He's beginning to think that as long as I am in this prison, I will not fulfill what God has told me to to do. So I need to get out of this prison. So he says, when you get to Pharaoh, remember me and get me out of this house. It's a house prison. For indeed, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. Now, why would a Hebrew foreigner in the land who was accused of a crime to one of Pharaoh's high-ranking officers, why would he think that Pharaoh would spend any time on this at all? Why would he think that this would even be important to Pharaoh? So he's probably hoping that because of the high position of this person, he can get into the ear of Pharaoh And Pharaoh would hear this case. Now, why would Joseph want Pharaoh to hear this case? There's other people that can hear the case and get him out. It probably stems from the fact that he is still having contact with with Potiphar. Because this is Potiphar's house. It's the prison. He is the the, the, uh, uh, keeper of the guard. He's in charge of this prison, but he's got somebody who oversees it. And he has handpicked Joseph as the one to... To be, he's in the prison. He's talking with Joseph. We know that he gave these prisoners particular to Joseph. It would seem that Potiphar does not believe the testimony of his wife, whether that happened immediately or whether that happened over time. And Joseph knows that Potiphar doesn't believe the testimony of his wife. But he has to live with his wife. How are we going to get this to work that I can get out of the prison? Because if I get out of the prison then the wife is going to know that Potiphar doesn't believe her. And that's going to cause problems in the house. And who knows where where that would go. So he might be thinking that Pharaoh outranks Potiphar. So if I can get my case heard by Pharaoh, and Pharaoh orders Potiphar to let me go, 
Potiphar would have to listen to Pharaoh because he outranks him. And his wife would not be mad at Potiphar anymore. But the person who would get her ire, her anger, is Pharaoh. And that's not going to come to anything. She, she can't do a thing to Pharaoh. She can get mad at him. She can huff and puff all she wants to. And Pharaoh just laughs her off. She's, she has no power in there. Now Potiphar in the house, she can make his life miserable. But she can't do a thing to, to Pharaoh. So Joseph may be knowing this. He may be figuring this kind of things out. So it says, um, For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. Of course, uh, you go into prison, they say every prisoner says they're innocent. And even so that most people, once they hear, yeah, you're innocent, yeah, 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 that's why you're, you're here. Most people don't even believe that anymore. But of course there are innocent people that are, that do wind up in prison. So though Joseph is in prison, he does not see the prison as God's will for him. Joseph might be in the prison, but he does not see the prison as God's will for him. Now Joseph asked for a special favor when this man gets out. But just because we are in a situation, Joseph is in a situation, he's in prison. He was in a situation as a slave. Now he's in a situation as a prisoner. He's in the prison. But he doesn't see that that means that it's the will of God. Just because you are in a situation doesn't mean that it's the will of God. The four levels of interpretation. It's very important that we understand them, that we take them outside of the story of Joseph and also get into other areas as well. It's imperative that we have the right understanding of the situations that we're in. If I think that it is the will of God for me to be in here in prison, then it changes how I go about things. If I think that it is not the will of God for me to be here in prison, it will also change. So he says, mention me to Pharaoh. In verse, um, we're going we're gonna to come back to some more things with that in a minute. But uh, let's go over to verse 16. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, most people, once they see the good things are happening, well, I want to get in on this. I want to, I want to jump in here. So the chief, chief baker saw that the interpretation was good. He said to Joseph, I also was in my dream and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now we know in the New Testament birds are birds are bad. Always bad. You've seen birds in the in the New Testament? Birds are bad. They don't represent anything good. They eat seed, which is which is not good. They they're used in some parables, and whenever they're used in parables, they do not represent good things. When Jesus uses a, an image in parables, he doesn't change that image. But here in the Old Testament, we have another situation where birds are bad. Now, if you were Elijah, birds are good. Because birds came and fed you. That was, that was good. But here, birds are bad. So the chief baker tells his dream. And Joseph answered, he said, doesn't go away. He said, let me pray about it. He doesn't seem to try and soften the blow. He just as easily delivers bad news as he delivers good news. First time you deliver good news, no problem. Here's the good news. Second one, here's the bad news, no problem. Here's the bad news, you're going to die. 
And that's it. I mean, that's no fanfare. This is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Well, that's similar from the other one. Now, Joseph does not have both dreams at the same time. He's given the first dream, he gives the interpretation. Then he gets the second dream and he gives that interpretation. But within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree. The difference in the first dream, the first dream, the the grapes were in his hand. Here, the baskets are on his head. So he's not being restored back into service. His hands aren't being used. It's on his head. He says, uh, your head is the focus here. And it's going to be separated from you. And the birds are going to eat your flesh. You see, if a royal baker is making bread, we don't feed it to the birds. We feed it to the pharaohs. As we said, Joseph has no problem delivering bad news. Over three days, what kind of preparation do each go through? So we got three days now. Joseph has delivered the the dream interpretation. God gave them the dream three days before it's going to happen. Why do they have three days? What's going to happen in three days? If you have an interpretation like this, and you're told you have three days, what are you going to do for three days? If you're the baker, if you're the guy who got the negative uh, interpretation, you're a heathen. You don't believe in the God of Joseph. But you see how God has, has worked through Joseph. Um, later on here in the story, I don't think we come to it yet, but we find out that the occasion of three days is Pharaoh's birthday. There is some interpret, some speculation, I will say, on this story that the original occurrence, the original offense was on the birthday a year before. So the a while or the many days that they were in there was a year. And it came up upon this. Uh, the, now, there's really no... I don't know if they, how much they pull that from uh, Jewish history or Jewish tradition or if they pull it from anything like that. But there's nothing in the text that will help us to, to get that. But I just throw that out to you so that you, you have that in your head anyway. But for three days, they have to think on this thing. Now, if you're the, the guy who's being restored, you're happy. Oh, in three days, it's going to be over. I get to be out. And if you're the guy who's going to not be, you're kind of hoping, boy, I hope this doesn't work out. I hope, hope that uh, this isn't so. Are you making preparations to, to die? Well, you call in some of your family. Say, hey, I want this to go here. I want this to happen here. I want this to go on this way. Whatever it might be. But what kind of things would you do? If you knew that in three days you were going to die or you were going to be moved out of prison, what kind of things What'd you do? I bet you some of them made promises to Joseph. I bet Joseph had three days there and they made promises. If you were the baker, I'd probably go up to Joseph. Joseph, is there anything you can do? Can you talk to your God about this? Can you uh, have him give me a new dream? Um, something. If you're the, the other guy, Joseph, thanks so much for that interpretation. I just feel so good about this. And when I get restored, I will remember you. I know you asked me to, and I will remember you. I will tell Pharaoh about this. I will tell him how how good of a guy you are, how upstanding of a guy you are, that this just can't be true. He's probably got all kinds of promises over these three days. 
Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. And then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. So what he does is he calls these guys in. we got this big thing going on. We have a big feast, and we bring you two guys in from prison. And the two guys are standing there. They're wondering, all right, was what Joseph said, is it going to come about? So the butler goes first, just like his his was the first dream that was given. First dream that was uh, given to Joseph. So he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So Joseph is forgotten. In Proverbs thirteen twelve, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it is a tree of life. What can happen here to us and probably happen to Joseph is that when we are stuck in a situation, I don't believe this is the will of God. Something is going on in my life. There's a, a sickness, weakness, something going on in my body, something going on in my job, employment situations, financial situations, home situations. There's something going on and we know inside this is not what I should be be in. I shouldn't be in prison for Joseph. I shouldn't be in this situation, whatever it might be, that uh, that we can have otherwise. And so I know this isn't the will of God. I know God has something else for me. And along the way, there comes hope of getting that changed. In the area of financial hope, we may have uh, we may have a job, but here's a job that's going to pay me more. Oh, if I can get that job and it pays me this, that will help my financial situation. I won't be falling behind each each month. The woman with the issue of blood, she had spent all that she had on physicians because one physician came up and said, "Hey, I think I know what is wrong, and I think I can take care of that. It's going to take a couple of uh, treatments." And each one is going to cost this much. That's all right. I'll pay that. I'll pay that gladly if you think we can do that. And the hope is put in there until we keep putting the money out and we keep going for the treatment and you're suffering some things at the hands of these these people and it's not producing anything. And when it doesn't produce, there comes a day that you just said, this is not working. And all the hope that you had put into that thing, oh, it's not there. And then with the woman, the issue of blood, somebody else came along and said something and she got her hopes up again. And that didn't work. Because the Word of God says that she suffered many things from many physicians. So there wasn't just one, two, or three. There was a number of them that she had gone out and pursued. And maybe after pursuing a couple of them and being discouraged, she took a break from it for a while. But the suffering that she was going through with the condition drove her to the point that I need to put my hope into something. And so somebody else came along. All right, I'm going to put my hope in that. And dashed to pieces again. But when she heard about Jesus, and she began to say some things with her mouth, I know if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And she's been saying this a number of times. 
and people at her home are hearing this and more than likely they are saying things to her like, don't get your hopes up. Have you ever heard that from people? Don't get your hopes up. You had your hopes up before and they got dashed to pieces. Don't get your hopes up. Sure, go ahead and pursue it if you want to, but don't get your hopes up. But she got her hopes up. She said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be whole. Well, you go on out there, you check it out first. Just, just, just stop being so sold out of this thing. I don't want to see you hurt again. And these are people that, you know, they, they care for us. They mean well, but they are not doing good things. Joseph, we, he may have had other places, other people that came along in the prison. This is not the prison for riffraff. This is the professional, so to speak, prison. You're going to have people that are in high type professions that are coming through here and Joseph is taken care of. We're not looking at the riffraff on the street. This is a high-end prison. These are high-end people that are coming in. You're looking at people that are probably lawyers. You may even be looking at some judges. Some people that come in in the law system. And Joseph is working with them. And he's telling them about his case. Well, if I were you, I would take that case over to this court. I would take this to this particular lawyer. If you can save up enough money and hire this guy, he has done things like this. He can get you off. He can work this out. I've seen him do other things with people in this kind of position. More than likely, some of these folks came on through. Joseph has had some conversations with it. And it's very easy to begin to put your hope in these things. It's not that you're not putting your hope in God. It's not that you're putting your hope in the things of men. You're seeing the hand of God bring these people to you. Just like with the woman with the issue of blood. She may have said, God has had me find so-and-so that they can administer this cure, they can do this particular thing so that I can get healed. She can see the hand of God behind that. Joseph could see the hand of God behind some of these things. And even here, all right, maybe the people that came before, maybe some of the lawyers or the judges or the people he talked to before that he was thinking, I don't know that he did, I'm just saying maybe he did. He's thinking, God maybe have sent these people to me to help me get out of this because until I get out of this, I can't get into the thing that God wants me to do. So certainly He wants me to get out of this place, out of this thing, and maybe those things didn't work. Now here's someone who actually has Pharaoh's ear. And Pharaoh can pardon me from this whole thing and take care of the whole mess. Surely God has sent this and God even gave them dreams. Why would God give dreams to heathen people? Why is God given a dream to someone like this, they don't worship God. They're probably Egyptian idol worshipers. They're in Pharaoh's court. More than likely, they would have to be. Why would God do it? So if you're Joseph, can you not see the hand of God? God gave these dreams to these guys that are in my care. One of them's going to be restored. Certainly, Joseph was within reason to say, look, when you get to Pharaoh, tell him about me. Don't forget. And he's probably seen, this is the hand of God. Have you ever seen the hand of God 
on a situation that you're in that you know needs to be changed and you're seeing things miraculously come about. How in the world do these two guys land in my prison and are put in my charge by Potiphar? And I come in and God gives them a dream and I have the interpretation. This this has got to be the hand of God. And we can see things go on in our situation. We can see things go on in our life. And I can say, God certainly has ordered, ordained this. God certainly has ordered these things to come about to get me out of this place. And to put me where I need to be. Where I belong. But it says that the chief butler did not remember Joseph. He had forgotten him. Just as Joseph had said in three days, he was restored. Now here's the problem that comes in. Joseph is looking at this situation. He's looking at the dream that was given to these two guys. He's looking at how they came under his care. He's looking at this opportunity. And Joseph has settled for a lower level understanding of the circumstances that he is in. He has reasoned out inside of his head. God has brought this into my camp, into my midst, so that Pharaoh would hear my case. God has brought this about. That didn't come because God gave him the revelation of it. It didn't come because he had some great wisdom that God had put on him. It came because he reasoned out because all these things happened. God must be behind this. Well, God was behind it, but not the way that Joseph has interpreted it. You see, this lower level understanding that Joseph fell into and where he began to put some expectation on this man who would be restored. He had some expectation there. It came out of a lower level of understanding so that he would see the hand of God doing what the hand of God was not doing. And by doing that, he missed what the hand of God was doing. Now, I don't say this to fault Joseph. Um, he's putting this together here pretty quickly. I do this so that we can understand and we can learn from it. Because this can be very discouraging when we see the hand of God where it's not. We can miss the hand of God where it is. And then we don't... We, we can be blocked from getting what we were supposed to, to get. Now, it seems that God does have a purpose for this. But Joseph pursues this understanding. And it fails. They forgot him. They forgot it. Can you imagine that? That these guys, this guy forgot Joseph. Joseph was helping him in prison. Joseph was giving him preferential treatment. Didn't charge him for it. As far as we can tell, he didn't charge him for it. All he asked was one favor. Will you remember me to Pharaoh? And he forgot Joseph. 
Now, if you're Joseph and you have put this in there and, you know, in three days he's going to be restored and word comes down what happened when they were called out of the prison. Because he was given charge so he can go to Potiphar and say, Potiphar, what happened to the two guys you gave charge to me? Are they coming back? He says, no, one was executed and the other one was put in. And he may say, well, which one was put in, restored? And he may tell him as the chief butler. And he knows, he may not have told Potiphar all that what had gone on, but he knows how. So now the chief butler is there in front of Pharaoh. Are you not expecting that any day now I'm going to be called by Pharaoh? Pharaoh's going to call for, for me. I'm going to hear a knock. Potiphar's going to come down. Someone's going to come down. And, and they're going to say, uh, Pharaoh wants to talk to you. Can you imagine that? I'm sure that Joseph has got faith out there. God, I thank you that I have favor with Pharaoh. God, I thank you that your hand is working with Pharaoh, that when this man brings me up, that Pharaoh will will hear it and that he will accept to hear my case and to hear what's going on with me. Can you Can you picture yourself in Joseph's shoes and for the next couple of days, maybe week, two weeks, whatever it might be, you might be, after it doesn't happen for a week, you may be thinking, well... I mean, the chief butler, he just got reinstated. He was, uh, he was on the outs. It was possible that he was going to be executed. Maybe he's just hanging low for a little while. And once he sees that everything is forgotten, then he's going to remember me to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, I just want to let you know. But you see, that's not what was happening because for the chief butler, we want to put this thing behind us. I am not going to Pharaoh and telling him, hey, <laughs> Remember when you were mad at me? Because I don't want him to remember when he was mad at me. If he remembers when he was mad at me, he may remember why he's mad at me. And he may say, yeah, and uh, I think I'm going to be mad with you again. And he killed the other guy. Maybe he want to kill me. So we want him to forget. So when you put your faith in men, just understand, people respond, people do what benefits them. They don't necessarily do what benefits the kingdom of God. They do what benefits them. Remember something that Paul wrote in the New Testament? He told people, he says, every man seeks the things for himself. Only Timothy has a like mind like I do. Just just know, if you're going to put your faith in men, if you're going to say, well, they're going to come out and they're going to do this, he said this. When he was here for those three days, he was saying how appreciative he was, how much he's going to do this. And then he forgets me. We find out it was two years. I would, If I was Joseph, I would likely become discouraged thinking I cannot find a way out. I have tried everything that I know to do. I can't find a way out. Have you ever been in that position? You know where you are. This is not where God wants me. I know this is not a promise that God has for me. I know it. And I've done everything I can to get out of this. No matter what, I still am in it. I'm still hindered by these things physically. I'm still hindered by these things emotionally. I'm still hindered by these people in my life. I'm still hindered by whatever it might be financially. Whatever it is, I'm still hindered by it. I've done everything I know to do and you get discouraged. This is where Joseph is at. I can't find a way out. Here's the thing. He doesn't need to. But he doesn't know it. 
Now, we told you this before. I don't see that God had a plan for Joseph's life. Joseph, I got a plan for you. But in order for me to accomplish this plan, you got to be sold and become a slave. And then after that, you're going to be falsely accused and uh, sent to prison. And you're going to be in prison for a while. It's going to take a long time for this to, to come about. Um, but I need you to do it. Because the only way that I can get you in front of Pharaoh is to have you land in his prison. I don't, I don't serve a God that's that limited. The reason that this is here is because things were forced. The brothers, through their own flesh, decided to force Joseph into the pit. Then they forced Joseph into be, to be sold. And then the people that bought him forced him to be uh, sold into Potiphar's house. And then Potiphar forced things. And then the wife forced things. And then he's in the prison. Everything has been forced on him. God has not directed anything. He has not directed these people to do these things. These people have done it for selfish motives. These people have done it because of anger, because of bitterness, because of unforgiveness. These are all not motivations that God has. God's hand is not in Joseph being sold into slavery and God's hand is not in Joseph being into prison. But this is where he is. And God is so powerful, he says, no matter what man does to stop the plans I have for you, I will bring them about. No matter what it is. I don't care what men try and concoct against you. I will bring it about. It does not mean that whatever crazy things have happened in your life, that God needed all those things to happen because of the good that came out in the end. That is false. That is a low-level understanding. That is a flesh-level understanding. That is a reasoning-level understanding. And if you adapt it, if you bring it into your life, it will hinder you. It will hold you back. It will cause you problems. We basically went through this entire story for one phrase here at the end. And I have it here for you now if you want to fill in these blanks. A flesh or reasoning level understanding of spiritual principles or events can only empower us to pursue God's plans through the strength of our flesh. I'm going to say this to you again. A flesh or reasoning level understanding of spiritual principles or events can only empower us to pursue God's plans through the strength of our flesh. If all I understand is the Word of God through the flesh, through a flesh level understanding, if all I have is a reasoning level of understanding of the things in God's Word, of the principles in God's Word, if all I have is a reasoning or a flesh level understanding of all the events that have happened in my life, then whatever purpose God has for me, the only strength I will have is what comes from my flesh. This is why you see people like the Pharisees, the only way they can pursue anything spiritual is to do it through the flesh. They can't attain these things in the spirit. They can only do it through the flesh. Paul attained the things he did. The disciples attained the things they did through the spirit, through the power of the spirit. And when they met up against the spiritual leaders who were accomplishing things in the strength of their flesh. They got mad. They got angry because they couldn't stand up against it. They couldn't stand up to the wisdom of Stephen. 
They couldn't stand up to the teachings of Paul. They couldn't hold a candle to the revelation of Jesus and the power with which He worked and operated in. And so they had to come up with something in the flesh to come against them. So they would come up with false witnesses. They would come up with false accusations. They would come up with questions that were trying to uh, pull him down and expose him. But see, he was operating in a, in a spiritual level of things and accomplished these things this way. Don't be tempted to weaken yourself in what you are doing. It is so important that we pursue the Word of God and get the in-depth understanding of it. Don't just be satisfied with a flesh-level understanding of whatever the Word says. Don't be satisfied with a reasoning level of what the Word says. Because if you are, the only thing you that will empower you to accomplish what God has called you to do is that reasoning or that flesh level of understanding. That's it. You've got to press in. You've got to get the understanding of it to, to be empowered to do more. Daniel pressed in to get the spiritual understanding of what was going on. Paul went away to press in and get the spiritual understanding of what the Lord had revealed to him and what the Lord had shown him in the in the visions that he had of the church and what was coming about. So many others in the Word of God, they pressed in to find out what does this mean? Because a flesh-level strength is inadequate and not up to the task of accomplishing what God has for you. David had to do the same thing as we've been looking at David on Sunday mornings. David had to get beyond a flesh-level understanding which is all Saul was able to operate in. He had to get beyond that because if he's going to accomplish something spiritual, if he's going to accomplish the purpose that God has for him, he's got to have a better understanding of his God. And so he pressed in to understand his God better. And he operated at a higher level of understanding. So much so that God says, this is a man I can work with. This is a man I can work through. And he says, you will always have someone to sit on the throne. The enemy's desire is for people to settle for this flesh level understanding as it will lead to discouragement and failure. And God will be blamed. That's got to be just something he just absolutely loves. He's going to lead the people in the church to a flesh level understanding of the Word of God. They're going to be, they're going to try and go into the battle with a flesh level understanding. Not succeed and get mad at God. They're going to get discouraged because they don't seem to be making any headway. And they're going to get mad at God. Not the devil. They're not going to get mad at themselves for not pressing in and understanding things better. They're going to get mad at God because they feel discouraged and because they feel like a failure. God will get the blame. If you're going to access God's power in your calling or operation, you have to access the spiritual meaning of the Word of God empowering you to do it. The more you understand the spiritual power behind the Word, the more you are empowered to accomplish what God has and the things that the enemy sets up will not hold you back. They won't hinder you. One of the things that Paul would pray for for the church was for the the understanding to increase, for their wisdom to increase, for their 
knowledge of the power of God. These are things that will help us through this. Joseph saw what was going on here, saw a flesh level understanding. God has sent these dreams. God has put these people here. God has set up an opportunity. When you see Pharaoh, remember me to him. I need to get out of this place. If I'm going to accomplish what God has for me to accomplish, I need to get out of this place. God didn't need Joseph to be in the place. And God didn't need Joseph to get himself out of the place. But the whole time that Joseph is in the prison, God is getting him ready for what is to come. Because here we are a couple of years before he's going to be brought to Pharaoh to interpret some dreams. And something we see inside Joseph that we had never seen in him before is that he is an interpreter of other people's dreams. He's an interpreter of other people's dreams with great confidence in that interpretation. And he's demonstrated it to some of the people in Pharaoh's court. And when the time has come, the people will remember. But Joseph doesn't know this. I don't know if over the next couple of years if Joseph comes to this understanding. I don't know that he ever does. But if you will settle for a flesh-level understanding of what is happening around you, it will hinder you where you want to go. Sometimes I hear people, they talk about the Word, and I know what they're talking about. It's a flesh-level understanding of the Word, and I cringe on the inside. I hear sometimes pastors and churches stand up and teach a flesh-level understanding of a passage of Scripture a reasoning level of understanding of a passage of Scripture, and I cringe inside. Why are you not pursuing something higher? Why are you not trying to understand the wisdom and the revelation level of understanding on these things? Why are you settling for something so low? Because if you teach this to the people, all you have empowered them with is flesh tools. But the weapons are of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They are mighty through God. But not if we settle for a lower level of understanding. As good as Joseph is, it seems here, he settled for a lower type of understanding. And it hindered him. When Joseph first told the dreams he had to his family, his family settled for a flesh level understanding of the dreams. And it hindered them. And it caused them problems. And it made them see issues where there were no issues. And it drove them to do things that were not in the plan of God. And this is what will happen to Christians. No matter how well-intentioned and no matter how good-natured about it, we have got to press in and understand the things in the Word of God from a spiritual level. I cannot be just content with a flesh level or revelation level understanding. We want an example of this in the New Testament. Jesus one time told the disciples, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And the Word of God tells us that they reasoned in themselves, It is because we forgot to take bread. And Jesus turned to them and He says, 
Do you really think, I'm paraphrasing, do you really think that what I'm teaching you about is based on the fact that you forgot to bring bread? Do you not remember the feeding of the 5,000 men? How many basketfuls were taken up? In the feeding of the 4,000 men, how many basketfuls were taken up? And then he says to them, do you still not understand? See, they had settled for a flesh-level understanding of the things that Jesus said. And Jesus knew, this is going to hinder you. This is going to hold you back. You can't hang on to that. You've got to go after something more. And the same call is for us. When we sit and we read the, the Word, there's many people that have taught us flesh-level understanding, reasoning-level understanding of the Word, but they never pressed in to get the revelation. The most important thing in your life is the wisdom and revelation knowledge of the Word of God that you have. Because that will empower you to take on what God has called you to do with spiritual power. Flesh level, reasoning level, you're going to take it on in your own strength. And you will not be able to accomplish what God has called you to do in your own strength. Joseph, for all these years, it seems like he's going in the wrong direction for what God has expected of him, called of him. It seems like he's going in the wrong direction. His eyes are looking for a way out. He seems to find one. He puts his hope in it. And that hope is dashed to pieces because it says that they forgot. He forgot about Joseph. The enemy is trying to discourage you. He's trying to get you to not develop. He's trying to get you to not overcome. But do not ever look at how much time you're in a situation that you do not feel you need to be in and you do not feel is helpful for you. Stay in the place where you're developing what is on the inside, the character of the person on the inside, the joy, the faith, the patience, confidence, all these things. And God will help. God will empower. Father, I thank you for the power that comes into our life as we receive revelation, as we receive understanding, as we receive wisdom from you. The devil is trying to substitute flesh level and reasoning level understandings of the Word of God. He has supplied this to us through other Christians. He has supplied this to us through people that are teachers or pastors or apostles or prophets or whoever they might be in the body of Christ. But when we accept these levels of understanding, we are anchoring ourselves. We are weakening ourselves. We are holding ourselves back. The devil loves it. Because he knows we will then go out and try and do the thing that God called us to do empowered only by natural means. And we will not accomplish what is supernatural with what is natural. But Joseph will accomplish some things in his life that are supernatural and he will do it with ease because he goes after it 
with the supernatural wisdom and revelation that comes from God. I thank you that that same thing is available to us. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.